Hello, frequent flyers, and welcome to Points of View, the Point Hacks podcast. I'm your host, David Walsh, and I talk to some of Australia's top points collectors. We dive into their backgrounds, stories, redemptions, and of course, their best hacks. So a bit about me. I joined the team at pointhacks.com.au about two years ago, thinking I knew a bit about points. Within the first day, I learned just how wrong I was. Since joining the team, I've seen my points balance skyrocket, and I've booked a number of business class and first class flights. I wanted to create a podcast where I could talk to the experts and share the learnings so you guys can do exactly the same thing. Today, we talked to Keith Mason, who founded the Point Hacks website back in 2011. We jump into how he came up with the idea for Point Hacks, how he got into the frequent flyer game, and some of his most memorable redemptions. Oh, he's hit record. Ah, hit record. <laughs> this is an exciting day. This is the very first episode of the uh, the new Point Hacks podcast, po- Points of View. Keith Mason, founder of Point Hacks, thanks for coming along. Hey, oh, no problem. This thanks is for having me. This is a really odd setup we've got going on here. This is unique. So we are if uh, so we're recording video of this. Uh, but if you haven't seen the video, we are literally sitting in two business class seats in a uh, in, in a Qantas training facility. Yeah, not on an actual plane. Not an actual plane. That is the. <laughs> it kind of feels like we're half in a plane, and but we're not. And it's it's quite odd. I want to press the in-flight entertainment and adjust my seat, and I get a few cushions, but none of that's on. I can imagine the main thing is that you, you don't actually want to talk to me because <laughs> <laughs> because yeah because normally who, yeah, yeah if you're traveling by yourself normally you kind of well I certainly try and avoid all eye contact with my seatmate. Yeah, the, um, uh, the the divider that's here is uh, yeah. it's in between us at the moment. But but yeah, usually you just be you're hi- yeah. hiding behind it, yeah. just looking at Don't the... judge my movie choices. <laughs> and, you, and you know you take a, a, a sneaky peek and, and I, I judge people's movie choices. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I hope I don't have to sit next to you on a long haul flight anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> well, th- thanks for joining us. Um, today, uh, I, I really wanted to get into it with you around like what Point Hacks is, how the website started, like where the idea came from, a bit about yourself and um, and sort of like what we see as some of the, you know, the, the best hacks for beginners, et cetera, and sure. uh, what, what might be for point hacks in the future. Um, but let, let's start off. Who, who are you, Keith? <laughs> we'll start at the beginning. Who are me? Who, who are me? Who am I? <laughs> uh, okay. Um, I, so by trade, I've worked... Um, uh, on websites, w- with websites, doing stuff with websites since I was a teenager. Yeah. Um, I I studied economics at school, um, but ultimately I was into technology, and I kind of self-taught myself how to, um, you know, how to do things on the web. Yeah. Um, and that kind of uh, bled into several different jobs across e-commerce and digital media. Um, and PointHack started in 2011 as uh, essentially as a hobby. It's been through real, heaps of different phases of its life, um, this uh, great thing called PointHack. But it, the, the origin was that it was really just something that I created to sort of scratch an itch, um, that being one, to share a bunch of information um, and just see how, um, what, how that was received. Mm. Um, and the second was as a learning tool for myself from that professional development yeah, kind of space. Because it basically started as a WordPress blog. Yeah, exactly. That's, and that's what it was. It was me sharing um, some of my experiences to do with travel, specifically, you know, relating to points mm. um, and try and articulate those to an audience and see, um, you know, if people were interested. And I've done a few other kind of like little projects here and there on the side. 
side, yeah. some of which had caught some attention, some of which hadn't. And I wasn't looking for attention, you know, for me personally. It's just purely like how how can I share this info? Yeah. Um, I'd learned some stuff and how can I share it? So it's interesting. So how did you actually get into points? Because it's a it's a massive space and there's so much like opportunity for uh, you know getting the unachievable. Yeah. But um, but what, what drew you to points? Like how did you get into it? Uh, okay, so I'm originally from the UK. I moved over to Australia in 2008. Mm. Um, my other half is Australian, and uh, she convinced me that it would be a good idea to, to spend some time in Sydney, uh, which is more than a decade ago yeah, now. a bit, bit warmer. Yeah, <laughs> a bit warmer, you know, um, kind of nice place to go. I yeah. seem to have lost a decent chunk of my English accent in that period as well. Yep. Um, so, I, uh, yeah, I have this, I, have this um, I guess I have this connection to a place that's far away, mm. um, being in the UK and um, family in different parts of the world. So it's logical. It was logical for me to figure out. Well, you know, how how am I going to be able to travel um, and make sure I continue having that family connection uh, back home um, and do that in a way that's not necessarily going to break the bank or be too uncomfortable. Mm. I did a few trips back to the UK when I first moved over here, like over the first you know sort of two three years, just to make sure I was um, still seeing my folks. That's a it's a long way to go. It's a long way to go. Exactly. It's a long way to go anyway, but a long way to go in economy. I'm not the shortest person. I'm not the tallest person either. I'm 184 centimeters or whatever, but I have um, quite long legs. And um, it was clear to me after the you know, and I'd traveled to Australia before I moved here, so I knew how long this trip was. Yeah. Um, But it was clear to me after my first trip in economy. I was like, I can't do this that frequently, um, you know, without some <laughs> without some discomfort, <laughs> which of course, you know, hundreds or thousands of people experience on a daily basis. Yes. Um, but is you know, is I just thought, there has to be a way for me. To, you know, there's there's the front of the half of the plane that I'm missing here. What? How, how do these people? Uh, how, how do they afford yeah, it? Yeah. Yeah. How do they afford it? Or um, what is the way that I can do this? And uh, I'd kind of explored the world of British Airways frequent flyer program when I was living Back in the in UK. UK. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of knew. A little bit about that. Yeah. Um, I was certainly not by no means a total pro or an expert um, at frequent flyer programs in the UK, but so like that, I guess, helped inform that knowledge. So I was trying to figure out ways that I could, um, yeah, kind of get into it. So I discovered many of the resources that were out there online mm. um, around, um, you know, how to get upgrades, for example. Yeah, mainly or, forums or? Um, yeah, exactly. A lot of forums, also foreign content sites, yeah. blogs, that kind of stuff that were uh, gaining a lot of steam and a lot of attention, primary, primarily from the US. Mm-hmm. Um, and all this information is out there, but I realized that no one was really condensing it and making it accessible mm. um, from the Australian perspective. Heaps of Australian information out there or you know, info relevant to Australian um, travelers, but not no one that I could find anyway that was making it easy to comprehend. Yeah. Um, and I figured, you know, as part of a couple of trips that I'd done, there was all this information for, all right, what if I just start condensing that down into some, you know, well, I won't call them guides because at the time I was much more writing from my own personal experience. But, you know, what did I do um, that helped me, you know, score, you know, something or other? Uh, but the first kind of key win for me being um, one trip back to the UK, I think that was then in maybe 2010, actually, um, where I managed to um, book just myself um, on a one way trip using all the points I had at the time, all yeah. the corner points I had at the time, yeah. uh, Sydney to Frankfurt. Um, and then on to London. Um, you, you in Qantas, to Frankfurt. Yeah, in Qantas business class. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Qantas flew direct or direct through Singapore at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I that was on the 747. I managed to get a seat in the nose. Um, and it was just like, it was unreal. Yeah, and it completely changes the flying experience. It, becomes, it was it enjoyable. Becomes, it becomes an experience. It becomes part of your, um, your holiday 
versus just being like the, the gateway, the painful gateway. Exactly. To get so there. I had a, that was that was kind of really like the ah oh, I put and I put all the effort into trying yeah. to find that seat. That was that was traveling home just before Christmas time. I wasn't there for Christmas, but in quite a busy time of year. And I just kind of went, wow, all right. That really enabled me to do something which I otherwise couldn't have done, literally could not have afforded, mm. um, even in economy at that time because it was an expensive time of year to travel. Yep. Um, and the only option available for me to redeem at that time was business class. And I had just enough points to do that. Was that your first business class redemption? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, Qantas Business, um, 747, Sydney, Frankfurt. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, really cool. Um, so that was, you know, transiting through the, uh, I guess, the old Singapore lounge at the time, mm. uh, Frankfurt, uh, Frankfurt Japan Airlines Sakura Lounge, which was tiny but has uh, the amazing Japan Airlines automatic beer machines. Um, even at six a six thirty a.m. in the morning, it's a novelty. Well, if, it, if, <laughs> if there's a beer on offer, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was. Um, that was really cool. Very memorable. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was, I guess it was experiences like that. Um, at that time, I wasn't uh, writing point writing point hacks, but it was the, the slow growth in these kind of, I guess, that learning, yeah. which then led me to, um, in 2011, launching the site. I guess like once you've done it for the first time, or like, there's always like you see people having done it, um, and like, okay, h- how are they doing that? And then the first time you do it, you're like, oh, this is... It's possible. Ach- it's, it's achievable. I, I did this. I, I'm in this business it's class. It's totally seat. possible. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. When, when was the first time you flew first class? Um, that was probably more around 2013, 2014. Mm. Um, I think my first first experience was, again, Qantas. Um, I believe that was Melbourne, Singapore at yeah. the time. Um, you know, A380. Um, again, super memorable. I was like, oh, wow. Again, I managed to you know, earn enough points to do this thing as well. Yeah. That was that was very, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's and then amazing. enjoying the Melbourne First Class Lounge, which is you know, one of my favorite spots. Um, super <laughs> when, awesome. When's the last time you flew economy? Uh, good question. <laughs> Actually, last year. Last year. Last year. Yes. When you have to think about it, you know, uh, you know you've cracked the game. <laughs> no, no. I, we bought um, uh, for a family trip to uh, New Caledonia. Yeah. We, we bought, uh, yeah cash um seats for that one because that was just a no-brainer short flight yeah yeah so when you were when you started at point hacks what was the vision what was like who who were you trying to make content for? uh there was no ex, you know specific vision it was purely a question of i have learned this stuff yeah um how can you know not to be like altruistic or anything but i just had this itch that i wanted to to share it you wanted to write um, wanted to yeah to and, and to treat it as a learning experience for myself as well mm. um in terms of how to create the site how to uh how to create this, um, you know, publish this information in a uh, nicely digestible form. Um, and, you know, some weeks I went, you know, by a couple of weeks without writing anything, but I always tried to do something at least once a week. Um, and it was just in my spare time to and from my day job. Yeah. Um, it was it was literally a hobby. Um, and it ran like that for, for several years. Yeah. So, so when did it stop becoming a hobby? Um, it started turning into like, I guess, what you might call a side gig. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably around that t- period of 2013, 2014-ish, um, where I started working on it more seriously outside of my day job at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, yeah put a bit more effort in. I realized that there were... Um, certain ways to ensure that the site was sustainable from a, a money point of view and it was worth me putting my time into it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I kind of went, oh, I need to invest in this. This is, uh, this could turn into something more than just a hobby. Mm. Um, so that's when I put a bit more attention into it. Um, and then over the course of the couple of years after that, um, it kept on building up steam and having some momentum. Um, and in 2015, 2016, um, I quit my day job to work on it full time. It's pretty amazing really that uh, that 
you know, it's something that started out as a hobby and something where, you know, have, working for Point Hacks myself now that it's a, it's actually a company that yeah, employs yeah. people. Yep, it um, is. It's it's amazing that we have a job that is talking about frequent flyer. Yeah, and like getting business class and first class and talk about um yeah and travel for you know in new and different and interesting ways yeah, yeah. I, I can't imagine how that resignation went oh yeah so <laughs> by the way <laughs> it was um, i'm off to write about uh, airplane seats <laughs> <laughs> most people uh, around me at the time i've been in i've been in the the job that i'd worked in for some time and mm. most people knew what i was up to um and what this kind of you know uh, what, where this passion was um, and it was no surprise let's say yeah yeah yeah. so how did it grow from there um, so then I, I sort of made this really conscious decision that that was going to be my full time job yep. so it really it was me and um, someone else part time helping me run the show mm. um, but I was doing all of the the, um, the majority of the writing or coordinating um, you know other people sharing their information and but I was vetting everything and publishing it um, and then um, I had someone you know kind of help with some of our advertiser relationships and make sure that um, we were, you know, still, I was able to essentially, you know, write myself a paycheck. Yep. Um, and that's, that was the, the focus of the next period of time was, I guess, was to ensure that it could continue to, um, yeah, to fund me and my family, essentially, because um, it was my full-time gig. So that, that was the focus for the, the year or so following that. Um, but around, you know, after about that, that much time had passed, I realized that well, there's an opportunity to um, keep on, take this, you know, take this to another stage, which was to, well, I don't know everything, and mm -hmm. I've never proclaimed to know everything um, about this particular world. And I need other people's experiences and other people's voices. So I put a call out for um, other people to write for me. I already had other people writing for the site. Yeah. But it was ad hoc. Yeah. This was a much more formal, okay, let's, you know, let's get a couple of people or one or two people um, and see if I can um, get new voices in and really um, shore up how much information we can put out on a weekly basis. Um, so it's not just dependent on me yeah. um, and not just only my point of view and my set of interests. Because uh, up to that point, I would write things that I was interested about and just assume that hopefully other people were interested about it too. <laughs> and you know, really that's not gonna, that's not gonna cut it once, um, once more and more people start reading. Yep. So I really, yes, yeah, so that was a, that was like, you know, like the hiring of the first employee was a big deal in, in many ways. Um, so that's, that's sort of where or at least the you know i guess the first employee who had really like get you know help me with the core of the site which is publishing new information um which is which is a you know it's a big thing you know you spent all this time pouring in like your way of writing things your way of doing yeah. things um and you know getting someone else to yeah, getting not, other not people not, not take the reins, but really help out and yeah, and that was that it. was quite an organic process. We had no kind of set uh, kind of I had no set view of how many people or how much or what kind of thing they would write. I just knew that I needed others. I needed new pairs of hands to help. Mm. Um, There's only so much that I could do. And I think for any small business owner, that's got to be one of the scariest things that you do is is say I don't know everything. I need help. Um, and taking that leap to then um, back yourself from a like, well, you have to you know actually pay these people to, to you, know, <laughs> you, you know to come and work with you. Yeah. Um. You know, like we're going to be able to make this work. Yeah. Financially. 
Um, so, and the, yeah, it's worth, I guess, um, your time to invest in other people. Mm. And it was, it was the best thing we did. Yeah. Yeah. By far. It was just like the only way to move the, the site forward and make it, um, uh, yeah, make it what it is now is to have other people involved. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I guess like as time went on, the, the traffic to the site grew more and more. Exactly. And eventually there was just always more, just, yeah. more people got layered in. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I like to, like to kind of say it's like a seven or eight year overnight success in the sense that um, <laughs> it was just something we just chipped away at all the time. And yeah. there was never a period where, um, you know, kind of like attention went down or um, we were in the doldrums. It was just this nice, consistent kind of... Um, uh, ongoing growth where we got people who are, um, you know, in, I guess, what we would now call the Point X community, but essentially commenters, uh, people who are emailing, we would answer questions, we're trying to be really generous mm. um, with helping people, and then they would help other people as well yeah. in the, you know, in the comments of the site. And obviously that still happens today, but it was like, the, the you know, that was really another thing that I guess really made it work was how generous the readers are, yeah. and, or were and are, yeah. um, in terms of making the site work for everybody as well. Yeah. Well, it's grown to a significant site now the, the point X gives hundreds of thousands of people yeah. uh, visiting it a month which um, I guess when you, you think back to its origins yeah I remember you know single digit thousands being you know like wow this is amazing oh, it would be yeah yeah exactly <laughs> and it's yeah it's quite unique um, and very cool to have been a part of it great yeah another question for you have you had any redemptions that have really like I don't know left a mark on you where you've gone like yes that was awesome because of this reason either it was a great seed or, or amazing experience yeah um okay well i touched on a couple of them already so that business class flight uh the first one yes. to frankfurt was yeah eye-opening um your first your first one usually is right yeah, yeah, yeah i, I awesome. certainly remember my first and that's <laughs> and the first the first Qantas first uh, uh, redemption as well. I haven't done too many too many trips in Qantas first class, but yeah. the first one uh, out of Melbourne was super cool. I think my favourite part of the Qantas uh, first experience is nothing to do with the seat or the food or the wine. It's the cool blinds that they have. The blind, ah, yeah, on the windows. Yeah, yeah. So it's, the, it's that detail for those who haven't experienced the the wonder of the blinds in in all the you know window shades in Qantas first class. Well, essentially, honest, I, I think it's most people. <laughs> it's essentially, I mean, you have about three windows in your seat. First of all, you don't just have you know one or half yeah um and it's got this um almost paper um kind of looking concertina blind yeah. on the in, in between the, the two pane the two panes of glass or plastic um that's you know that's on the on the airline you have a button which you can use to literally just put up your blind it lets a little bit of light through yeah uh, but not too much yeah and it makes you kind of feel like you're in, in a nice kind of calm lounge space yeah and you get you see this blind ah oh, there you go. Yeah, that's first class. <laughs> so, um, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, another uh, really remarkable, I guess, redemption that I've had um, would be on Etihad as yeah. well. Um, Etihad first class A380. Yeah. There's not too many routes and options you can use this on these days. Uh, it used to be a little bit more widespread out of Australia. Yeah. Um, but I've had the the fortune to, I guess, I think, I think fly Etihad first twice now uh, on that A380 cabin. And to me, that's not so much I like about the food or the drink like I mean I love good food and everything but this was just like the the pure novelty of, of, yeah. a, of a pure like a long flat bench bed which is not 
like a, a seat that's been turned it's into a, a bed. It's, a, it's like a separate bedroom. It's it's so yeah, first I think it's called first apartments. Yeah. Um and you get your own separate space, which is awesome with a closing door, which again is awesome, but that's not unique. What's unique to Etihad is this bench seat that's in front of you. So you've got two seats essentially yeah, at Etihad. Yeah. You got your you got your main sitting, relaxing, kind of eating, dining, watching TV, uh, kind of seat. And then you've got this bench opposite you, and the bench fo- folds flat into essentially the size of a just about a single bed, maybe mm. a little bit narrower. Um and it's and it, that's crossways across the plane rather yeah. than um, yeah. you're running down. Google some pictures of it. It's just like the for someone who's who's tall, it's it's a revelation. You get to lie down with a pillow, with a like kind of a mattress pad, mm. and and have someone make your bed, and you just get to go to sleep. Well, I mean, I'm sure it's, for I'm sure for the rest of us that are aren't 185 centimeters, I'm sure it's a revelation <laughs> as well. It's it's just ah, <laughs> uh, it's it's the best thing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I've I've had the joy of um, traveling with Etihad first a couple of times. It's just unique. Um, so that to me is very cool. Um, outside of planes, the other really noteworthy or remarkable redemption I've had was um. I managed to save up a whole ton of uh, Starwood points at the time, which is mm. now Marriott, um, and redeem them for three weeks uh, of hotel rooms at the Westin in Whistler um, to go skiing. I, you're a big skier. Oh, yeah, I love, I love my skiing. I grew up skiing in France um, as a kid, and um, it's a bit harder if you're living in Australia, so you have to be a bit more. It's, bit, it's a bit hotter here. Yeah, it's a bit hotter. I mean, there are some great, great mountains there are, here, there but, are, but you know, not, you, not the volume that you have. Exactly. I've ne- never been to Whistler before, and the Western is one of the best position hotels in the town, um, right next to the gondola there. Um, we're talking a nightly rate for a room of somewhere between oh, no, three fifty to five hundred US dollars, yeah. uh, or Aussie dollars rather, a night. Um, and um, yeah, using points, it was well priced. Um, they had the availability that we needed. Um, they offer, and they still do this. They offer a fifth night free on your points redemptions if you book five nights. So you only pay for four, so you get this instant discount. Um, and at the time, there was there was the right opportunity to both have a mixture of buying Starwood points, uh, redeeming them across from American Express, um, and uh, we banked uh, two rooms uh, for three weeks at yeah. the Western West End and uh, that was for you know family of four of us. Yeah. Paid, I think I paid a, uh, a small cash upgrade uh, on a nightly basis as well to ensure we had a slightly large, one of those rooms was slightly larger and had a little kitchen and dining area. Mm. So essentially, we had this kind of like apartment set up um, in Whistler, which otherwise for that particular hotel i think would have cost north north of 15 or twenty thousand dollars for I mean, that just really like this hammers it like stories like this just really hammer in like what you can yeah get it, was, it was awesome and skiing is not the not the cheapest hobby um so having you know having a way to um go to whistler and do that particular experience was really cool and actually i think yeah we've got that booked in again for next year yeah. not quite on that scale um but you know in terms of length of time but and because you know pricing has changed and it was not quite as good as it was then. But I'm still using points to for that particular redemption coming up. Um, but that one was yeah, it was like I literally could not have justified doing this in the, you know doing that experience in that particular way, no. staying at that place um, if it weren't for the points. Obviously, I said you have to value on points. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty conscious of the fact of like how how much uh, we spent on points for that particular. Uh, hotel, but I was totally fine with it. That yeah. was just like, yeah, it's what I've been saving them for. Yeah, so kind absolutely. of like checks all those boxes of what, what you know in terms of what we're talking about for having a goal. Um, you know, kind of going through and making sure you know what you're trying to do. Yeah, you're doing something. You, that you're doing something you really value as exactly, well. Exactly, so something we wanted to do. We're yeah. aiming for. Um, it's not just a throwaway holiday. Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, we don't do it for the sake of it. And it was like, yeah, okay, this is worth spending the money or the points on. Yeah, fantastic. Um, so, Dave, uh, obviously we. Spoken a bit about 
the history of Point Hacks. And yeah. you're working um, quite actively within Point Hacks now. Oh, I don't uh, sleep. Yeah. <laughs> um, why don't you take a minute or two to explain what you've got coming up for for the world of Point Hacks? Yeah, but Point Hacks has got some really interesting things coming out. So first off, this podcast. So we are, we're, we're, we're doing a, a series one of this podcast. So we are hoping to get a solid 10 episodes out. And, you know, if you guys love it, we, we plan to make a lot more of them. So, um, you know, obviously, you know, subscribe to this podcast and uh, make sure you get it in your feed. Um, we've also, uh, we'll also be launching big into video within the next year. So cool. Point, Point Hacks has historically been a great written resource um, with a great community behind it as well. But, you know, there's plenty of people that uh, would prefer to, to A, watch a video on a guide on how to redeem points, but, but B, like really be able to show people what that what those points can earn. Um, so, you know, as of, uh, as of the start of 2020, the, uh, the Point Hacks YouTube channel will be, uh, will be very active. Um, and we're also working very hard on uh, making more tools more accessible to people. So what can we do to help people a, understand the value of their points and B, get into the level of using those points or, or being confident to use those points for either certain trips or routing or just how can we help people uh, get a better understanding? So, what are the most common problems that um, point hex readers uh, that, you're, that maybe you're trying to help them solve? What, what, do, they, what do they throw at you? Uh, so the first things are, you know, where to start. So we'll obviously we're, we're putting more and more effort into um, getting beginners into the site mm -hmm. all around how do I find availability how do I find redemption a lot of the uh, a lot of the, the gripes that we, we hear from people are okay I've got these points how do I use them I can never find availability when I want to find it and part of that is a bit of education around you know how do we show people a how to find the redemptions but b how do we uh, help them uh, sort of take off the blinders as to the different ways that you can look for redemption or how you can vary your travel plans accordingly. Um, and they're some of the main, the main ones that we're really yeah. trying to help with. I think it's a good, um, I think it's a really cool direction to take. Uh, that, the, that and also uh, really helping people try to understand the value of points as well. So yeah, for sure. Some in really interesting stuff coming out for there. Yeah. Helping people use their points, I think is super important because, um, you know, in many ways, earning points is the easy part. Yeah. Um, it's not, I'm not going to say it's, you know, simple or, you know, it's doable for in a great scale for everybody. But at the same time, um, certainly the points economy is set up in a way where, um, you know, there are amazing kind of marketing vehicles for the frequent flyer programs and their partners. Yeah. Um, which is all about, you know, trying to get people engaged in different products and services. Um, and, you know, doing that through the use of points, you know, points landing into people's accounts. But at the same time, airlines just need to like, you know, where, where point hacks can help and where maybe airlines can help. It's like, how, how can you help people use those points? Yeah. You know, that's just so important. Because otherwise they they just sit there and then they're unused and it gets really frustrating for people and they get disengaged. Yeah. Um, I think that's the worst, you know, is if you've got, you know, even just 10 or 20,000 points, you're like, nah, forget about them. It's too hard. It's like, no, don't. Yeah. <laughs> and, I've, I, and I've been through that journey firsthand. So, you know, when, when I joined Point Hacks, I, I always knew to collect points. And I think that that came from, uh, you know, my, my, uh, my dad signed me up to Qantas Frequent Flyer when I was two years old. You know, so uh, my, 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 my Frequent Flyer number is very, is very short. Um, something I'm quite proud of. Don't, don't, don't announce it. <laughs> oh, I won't, I won't say it. I won't say it. Uh, <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I came into Point Hacks thinking I knew a bit about points. Um, so I knew to collect them and I thought all I could use them for was, you know, an economy redemption. And the amount that I've learned since joining Point Hacks and the amount of trips I've been able to do 
um, in the, in the in the couple of years that I've been with uh, Point Hacks, which just really turned me into an absolute believer with mm-hmm. uh, with freaking fly points and um, really what you know Point Hacks is is trying to do is show and help people how to go on that same journey. Yeah, for sure. Um, so a lot of exciting things coming and yeah. uh, th- this podcast is just the start of it. Awesome. Do you but, have any particular travel goals you're aiming for? So I I, 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 I did and I sort of, I've, I've hit them for the next year. So again, big big goal was to do a, a snowboarding trip to Japan. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, I'm actually, I'm, thinking, I'm going to do a podcast on that with, uh, with the, my friend that I'm going with. Um, but we're, we're looking to do, um, so we're going to be doing a business class from Melbourne to uh, Tokyo and then business from Tokyo to Singapore and then first from Singapore to Melbourne. So I'll, I'll, we'll do a podcast on that. My experience. And cool. then uh, a girlfriend and I are doing a, um, a business class, first class up to San Francisco and, and back by LA. So uh, that, that'll be a, uh, that'll be a massive trip next year as well. So yeah. I think I've burnt through all my points, but you know, now you, you know, the old saying you, that if you don't use them, they're not worth anything. So yeah. now I'm just back in the, uh, back in the grind of earning some more. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Brilliant. Enjoy. Well, Keith, Thanks so much for coming on. It's been it's been great having you and thanks for joining us for the first episode. Been a pleasure. Um, hope to get you on the podcast again very soon. That's it for today's episode of Points of View, the Point Hacks podcast. Remember to visit pointhacks.com.au for more frequent flyer deals, guides, and tips. I'm David Walsh and don't forget to subscribe. <laughs>